Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll never make any money doing that. How are you going to get the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Were your parents morons too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. That was a really good job. I'm getting ready. I'm really. You know, I wish I'd thought of that. I never thought anyone would. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Hey there. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. We are broadcasting live on WLCV 101.5 FM from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I'm your host, Doris Nagel, and I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself, and I love helping other entrepreneurs. I've helped counsel a lot of startups and also been involved with at least nine different startups, and I wish I could tell you they've all been wildly successful, but that would be a lie. I've made plenty of mistakes along the way, and my passion is to share what I've learned and to find other experts and entrepreneurs to also share their advice and insights. We have two goals here on The Savvy Entrepreneur, to educate and to inspire. I welcome your comments, your questions, suggestions. If you got a challenge or a topic you'd like to hear about, or you'd like to be a guest or know someone who'd be a great guest, just email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. So with that, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. Our guest is Mark Goodman, who is a volunteer with an organization called SCORE. And if you haven't heard about it, we're going to talk a little bit about what SCORE does because they're an amazing resource that is either free or virtually free. And so if you don't know about SCORE, you should. So take a listen. Mark is a very experienced business person himself. He is currently the president and CEO of a company he calls eConversation Solutions, which I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about shortly. He's also the past workshop chair at SCORE Chicago. And prior to founding his current company, Mark held numerous positions as a tech executive, including director of business development at Motorola, where he was the first business manager in the cell phone group. Wow, that's got to right, be So you can blame all your cell phones on me. You've got to have some great stories there. I don't know if we'll have time for that today, but I bet there's some great stories. So in addition, Mark was an executive for a Silicon Valley company and a film buyer for General Cinema Theaters. So uh, I guess if you want to know how to buy films, you should reach out to Mark, too. He's pretty, pretty diverse background. He has an MBA from Boston University and a... MA, which is an interesting background, in radio, TV, film from Northwestern University. So just a quick word about SCORE, according to the website, SCORE is the nation's largest network of volunteer expert business mentors and is dedicated to helping small businesses get off the ground, grow, and achieve their goals. Wow, that sounds like something all of us entrepreneurs need. Since 1964, SCORE has provided education and mentorship to more than 11 million entrepreneurs. So they are a busy group, and if you don't know about them and haven't tapped out to reach out to them yet, you should. All right, without further ado, Mark, let's get started. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. So... First, let, let's talk a little bit about SCORE and how you got involved with SCORE. Okay. So thank you for your summary of SCORE. If people are interested in SCORE, you know, anywhere in the country, they should go to www.score.org, and you can go ahead and put in your zip code and find your closest uh, local resources relative to that. A little bit of an expansion on SCORE doors. Uh, in 2018, uh, on a national basis, SCORE estimated that they uh, helped start over 32,000 businesses. Wow. And uh, that uh, they created over 135,000 jobs. Yeah. And we'll get into Amazing. a little more detail on that. How did I get involved with SCORE? You know, as you noted, I worked many years for Motorola. 
Right. And which um, is a huge company. That's not a startup company by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it was kind of interesting. I got involved since I was doing business with de uh, development with Motorola. A lot of the new businesses, and it was intriguing. At Motorola, is you know you would start a business and you would grow it, and you know since you were somebody who knew how to start businesses, they would uh, move you off and have you grow another business. So. Uh, like I said, I was the original business manager with cell phones. I did a number of other new businesses. I was actually part of the Nextel account wow. team. And as we know, Nextel was one of the most fascinating business-to-business, -business, right. kind of the only business-to-business -business cell phone network. When right. I left Motorola, I actually went to work for a Silicon Valley company. Yeah, which it, probably was more like a startup. Yeah, well, there were about you know 50 to 100 people in this company. And um, you know, I was in charge of uh, sales, everything east of the Mississippi River. Wow. So so after being on the road for, you know, 100 nights, I just decided I wanted to do something else. And my wife and I uh, considered doing the Peace Corps. Interesting. And a lot of people don't realize that the Peace Corps evaluation process is a year-long process. Oh. So they asked me while we were going through the evaluation process to get some experience working in sm with small business. So that's when I volunteered for SCORE. And I did some mentoring with SCORE, but what I actually ended up doing with SCORE is I built their social media presence. And we actually built a YouTube channel and you saw a few of the videos. Yeah. And in its prime, and this was in the 2009, 2010 timeframe, that uh, channel was in the top 50 nonprofit YouTube channels in the world. Wow. So I was telling you how we made some clips and they got picked up by community colleges, et cetera. But my wife actually decided not to do the Peace Corps, so I decided to uh, kind of stick with SCORE, and I was doing the workshops for them. And then I decided to start my own business, which is eConversation Solutions. And what we do with eConversation Solutions is we help people integrate the Internet into their sales and marketing. Wow, well, that, that's, of course, big because, as everybody knows, more and more people are accessing the internet through mobile devices and making purchases through mobile devices or purchasing decisions through mobile devices. So that's, that's where it's at these days. And the challenge that, that, that you know, my business overcomes is an awful lot of people who are in the internet business, the first question they ask is, what do you want to say? And the first question I always ask when I'm working with a business is, how do you want to use it? So how is the content you're created going to be integrated into your sales and marketing. So I've been doing that business for probably about eight or nine years, and I've continued with SCORE. And what I do now with SCORE is I handle a little bit of the fundraising, and I am the focal point for the Wintrust SCORE relationship. Wintrust, the banking group, and up here we have State Bank of the Lakes over on uh, you know, the north uh, uh, shore of Lake County. So what I do is I work with the three score chapters, or actually the four score chapters that service the Chicago land area, which is Score Chicago. There's a score chapter that services North Cook and Lake County. There's a score chapter that services basically Fox Valley, which is the six counties west of Cook and Lake. Mm -hmm. And then I also help with the score and the Wintrust activity in southern Wisconsin, which is basically the town bank and score. So there's four Chicago chapters. Each one of them have local presence. We're going to focus a little bit today on what's actually available here in Lake County. Okay. But understand that if you are in southeastern Wisconsin, there is a chapter that serves you rather directly. And, um, you know, that chapter in your area works out of the Gateway Technical College. Gotcha. And just, you know, because I, there are people who listen via the Internet through streaming or maybe even with listening to the podcast that I do that I create from the shows afterwards, I think you alluded to it, but there are SCORE chapters in all 50 states, basically? Right. So there's over 10,000 volunteers in the United States, and they serve over 1,500 communities. So. Wow. It's estimated that SCORE volunteers donated over 4 million hours of time in 2018. So what somebody should do if they're outside of this specific area is go to www.score.org 
You can put in, like I said, your zip code and get what's available locally. There are also a lot of resources available nationally. And online. Mm -hmm. I know, um, I, I think it's almost overwhelming, the resources that SCORE has to offer. And I want to talk a little bit more about the volunteer army and if anybody out there is interested in being a volunteer. But there are, even on, on the website, a tremendous number of online, on-demand programs that are available. So pretty much almost any topic you want to learn something about, there's, there's an on-demand webinar there. Some of the other things I know that the score does, and I know you want to talk about because you've got one coming up, is local workshops. Right. So my understanding is, uh, if you if you're a volunteer, you can. I, I don't know how you go about organizing a workshop, but I know you're, for example, doing a workshop right here in almost our backyard of the station coming up really soon. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right. So we're doing a workshop on uh, October 24th. This is a workshop that we put together uh, with SCORE and part of our Wintrust relationship, which is with State Bank of the Lakes. And this workshop is based around, uh, you know, getting more leads and closing more sales. And, you know, this is uh, available to anybody. So if you want to go to the, let me get you the website relative to the score chicago one so there is a specific score chicago website northchicago.score.org and if you're interested in attending this workshop this is kind of a lunch and learn okay we're going to focus on you know talking to people getting leads getting sales but one of the things i've learned about how workshops have changed over the years is you know it used to be when you did workshops you could do like 80% knowledge and 20% a little bit of networking. And what we really focus on in these kind of workshops is probably upping the networking part of it because that's one of the key ways that businesses can actually get leads and create relationships. You know, there's an interesting study made with all of this internet stuff and email and so forth. The number one way that small businesses can get leads is through in-person events. You know, you're, you echo something that I was actually having a conversation with uh, some colleagues, and they were in absolute agreement with the same thing with you. In fact, the conversation kind of went, got around to social media and, you know, how everybody feels like they have to invest all this time in social media and post on LinkedIn and tweet all the time. And that's not to say that's not helpful, but... It's a often a long-term branding strategy as opposed to, you know, if you're going to start posting on LinkedIn, for example, and assume you're going to have people emailing you and saying, hey, can you, I want to hire you to do this, you're probably going to be disappointed. So a challenge that every small business has is getting customers and closing sales. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, what you know when we look at here is we're creating an event and this is an in-person events and if you think about it i actually believe in-person events are the best venue for a small business to get a lead interesting the really cool thing is when you're in an in-person event you get a lead you get a card you have a relationship yeah now the role of social media isn't to get the lead despite what google and linkedin and all those people may say i believe for a small business the job of social media is to bring somebody down the sales funnel. So use your email marketing. So you have a card, you have an email. Right. Okay. You do a directed email to that person. Right. Okay. In that email, you make it clear this is what your social media is. You want to then engage them with, if you want to use LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. Right. You know, it's more effective first because they kind of already know who you are and they know their context. One of the biggest problems with um, you know, social media is somebody tries to connect with you and you say, who the heck is that? Right. So a lot of them want to start selling to you right away. Right, before you, they even know who you are. Right. right, right. So the key thing here is we created an in-person event. People come there as a small business people. We did one in the spring where we had the people from the hardware store. Okay. Hardware stores on one level are very local. 
On the other level, a hardware store is very competitive against a home center. But think about, and what we suggested to the hardware store is, how can you create a personal relationship with that person? Now, if that person never knows who you are and you try to connect with them with social media, it becomes problematic. Well, and, and I think the other thing that's happened with social media, and I, I'm sure you've seen this too, it's, it becomes quite frustrating because there is so much noise. So it used to be cool and unusual that you could invite somebody to your webinar or download an ebook, and now there's so much stuff out there, so many blogs, so much stuff that I, I, I can attest to it on my own website, you know, on my globalocityservices.com consulting website. There's a lot of what they call clickbait, right? There are infographics and there are webinars on demand and ebooks, and people do download it. But even when you reach out to those people, who have downloaded it and or have clicked on it and say, you know, what brought you here, interested in knowing your problems, almost none of them ever respond. And I think it's because there's just so much noise out there. People just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to be approached unless it's an immediate need. Really one of the best ways, I, I think these days, to break through some of that noise is to go back to the basics, to go back to in-person, get away from the, the keyboard and actually press the flesh and meet people. So, so if you think about in-person, that's why I love this series of workshops. And let me give you an idea here. I have a list of just some of the other workshops that are uh, available locally here. You know, for instance, these SCORE people are doing a uh, a program in, in, in Barrington that talks about uh, franchising. I have a program, for instance, in Glenview that talks about federal income taxes for your business. And let me kind of give you a testimonial that came from, this is one that actually took place in our chapter in Lake County. And this is from a uh, somebody who actually ran a, uh, a repolstering business. Everybody needs that occasionally. Right, so, so this person said, uh, I initially signed up uh, for a SCORE mentor with one goal in mind, to learn to understand how the Illinois ST-1 sales force, uh, a sales tax form worked and fill it out appropriately. He says, I really had no idea what I was in for. I became comfortable with the form with the help of another mentor, but between the first meeting and successive meetings, the mentor put me in touch with another person who's an accountant and within days freed his mind to look at the larger picture. So I think this is the challenge we always have relative to SCORE is typically people come to SCORE to solve a specific problem that they have. And you know, one of the things is you've looked at the, re at the resources with SCORE is there's really the capability to solve a lot of the problems. But the other thing uh, that we really suggest when it comes to working with SCORE is create a regular relationship with that person. You create a, rel a regular relationship with your SCORE mentor. Because one of the things a SCORE mentor does, which is very effective, which may be a little bit counterintuitive, if you're meeting with, every, with them every month, at the beginning of each session, often a SCORE mentor will say, how are you doing? That's accountability piece, which is, I don't know about you guys out there, but I certainly have that problem, you know, when you're you're not in a big organization with a bunch of people around you that are having meetings regularly and this machine that's in place it's really easy to let things slip especially things that you maybe aren't so good at because none of us entrepreneurs are good at everything right you might be phenomenal at marketing but maybe you're terrible at finance or at sales and so it's really easy to put off those things that you're not so good at. Well I'll give you another example of a, of a success story. Uh, I got a call from one of the Wintrust bankers that I work with and he was saying well this guy came in with a loan but I really couldn't understand his books. So do you have somebody at SCORE who can help him out? So we found a resource for the person at SCORE and it was one of uh, you know, our score people who was, you know, more or less a retired accountant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he came in and said that the stonecutter was a master craftsman and his wife, quote, kept the books. Her idea of keeping the books was putting the receipts in a shoebox. Nice. 
after kind of straightening out the books minimally, the score mentor actually worked with the with the client to go out and hire a part-time bookkeeper. Right, and so somebody else benefited from from that connection. That that was a benefit, a win-win for the person who was doing the books for him, and obviously the bank was much happier too. So. Talk a little bit about the SCORE Volunteer Network. Who, who are these people? I mean, what, what's the process? Are these just people who just stumble in and say, I think it would be fun to help a business? Or A little bit. Uh, SCORE, many years ago, was known as the Service Corps of Retired Executives. And oh, is that? What they did, that's what SCORE... What, that's that's what not score what it stands thing, for no, anymore. Not, okay. That's not what it stands for anymore. So about... Five or six years ago, SCORE kind of rebranded it because they discovered two things. The first thing is that people kind of work to a peak and then they used to retire. You know, I met a guy once when I was out playing golf and he was the starter and he was actually having problems as a golf starter. And he looked at me and it was a Tuesday morning. He said, well, you have to have some patience with me because I don't, I've only had this job since Monday. You know, last Friday I was a senior executive at Continental Bank. So he, that was kind of his retirement thing. Funny. Now my observation is people work and work and work and they hit a peak and a big, then they work and work and work and work and work. So what we find is that traditionally you had a mentor who retired, had a pension and, you know, was quote retired. Right. Now we have more and more people who, you know, while they're kind of retired are still kind of working. Yeah. And the positive on that is that you have a mentor who, is remain engaged. Right. So one group of people right. are, you know, essentially these people who are on the, um, you know, the, the the downside of one can argue the this the curve. This looks better visually. Um, the other group of people the score has uh, attracted, and we have found this is with younger people. We're finding more and more people in their thirties and forties yeah. who are looking to give back. Well, and also that's a good thing because the skills that people need, that entrepreneurs need, I mean, you alluded to the internet, for example, um, some of the skills are, you know, they keep changing. And so it's really important to to tap into people who have the, the skill sets. And, and you might find that with somebody who's 65, but you might find that in somebody who's 25 or 30, right. you know, we, we designing a, a website, for example. We, we have a, a woman who, uh, I think she's in uh, the Buffalo Grove area, and she and her husband run a data analytics business. Oh. And their major customers are, you know, large corporations because, you know, they're helping the large corporations kind of sort through a ton of data. But she, in addition to helping her, her husband in running this business, has two passions. One passion is you know, getting her kids through soccer. And the other passion from her perspective is giving back and working with small business. So and this that, is somebody who, you know, traditionally hasn't been a SCORE mentor, but in this whole new world of SCORE is a very effective mentor. Right. And if I'm a, if I'm a small business person and I, I have a challenge, I, I may think I know what my problem is, but as you alluded to, what I think my problem is, is may not be the full scope of what my problem is. But anyway, I think I have a challenge, something I need some help with. How do I go about finding in this whole army of 10,000 SCORE volunteers, how do I go about finding the right person? Well, I think the, uh, the thing to do is one, you can certainly attend a workshop. You know, if you go to the website and find a workshop locally to you, because the advantage of attending a workshop is one, you get a certain sense of SCORE in the SCORE environment. Two, typically at a workshop, there is a representative from SCORE who you can make a connection with. And that person from SCORE is more than happy to work with you. And, you know, uh, one of the challenges I think we always have is people think I have a problem and think I need somebody specific to do this or somebody specific to do that. Right. And I find the most important thing is to get started and to talk to somebody. Because the two challenges that a business person has is first probably a very specific one, 
relative to I have this problem like we were talking about how do I fill out this form but the other thing that many the other problem almost every uh, company has is the need for a mentor so you know the idea of getting a mentor and just having somebody to talk to and when you talk to the score mentor most score mentors can help companies on some basic issues as far as talking through you know what problem do you solve how do you solve it what makes you different and then typically a score mentor if you do need a specific expertise will look at the network locally and find somebody now if you're in a smaller area if you're in a rural area you can't just go to the score.org website you can put in your uh, zip code and put in they have a miles like 50 miles or 25 I, I miles actually th- I actually think that's how I got a meeting with the score advisor is I just went on the website one day I stumbled on it and I thought you know I'm really having some challenges with X and I'm just gonna f- fill in the little form and lo and behold like a meeting was set up with I think three different advisors I, I was lucky enough to get a, a panel of three advisors so well yeah so uh, you know a lot of times what you'll get a situation is you'll get uh, somebody who you connect with and you work with and um, then they'll bring in a resource and a lot of the mentors actually like the team mentor yeah where they'll have somebody else well it's probably fun for the mentors too um, because you you know it it there's a synergistic effect that happens, I think, when you get people together working on a, a business problem. The, the other thing you could, on a, on a broader basis, uh, look at is SCORE does have some specific programs. For instance, you know, SCORE mentors are partnering with the U.S. Department of Agriculture and a wide array of groups already working with beginning farmers and ranchers, such as the FFA and 4-H and Cooperative Extensions land-grant universities, etc. So SCORE is working on a specific agriculture farming program. Right, and a lot, lot of people don't think of farmers as entrepreneurs, but really they are. Well, They're small I, business people just like, you know, your plumber and your local accountant and, you know, other small business people. Well, I think the other thing that a lot of farmers are running into is the generational transfer issue. Uh, the generational transfer issue is a really significant issue both in the farming community and in a lot of the you know craft service businesses wow and that's a topic that i really want to dive into because i think that's a really interesting one so hold that thought for just a second though we need to take a quick break for our station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors so hang on just a minute we'll be right back with mark goodman from score on the savvy entrepreneur this is Doris Nagel with the Savvy Entrepreneur, and we are back with our guest, Mark Goodman, today talking about SCORE and some of the challenges that small businesses face. Because Mark has been in and around small businesses for a long time and has a wealth of insights and experience. Before the station break, we were talking with Mark about an issue that I think that probably doesn't get talked about enough, which is succession issues transferring businesses to the next generation and we were talking about it specifically with respect to farmers and agricultural but it's really an issue that cuts across a lot of businesses when i mention it to small business people a lot of them are like well you know i'm just worried about paying my mortgage why should i worry about transition or succession and I don't know, Mark. I, I think that's maybe short-sighted, but that's just me. Well, well talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, one of the biggest challenges is that small business people tend not to really think about what is their business worth. Most they're small, in the business right? rather than working on the business, as they say. In, in most families, some of the children are involved in the business; some of them aren't. So, you know, one of the first questions that anybody would come to SCORE and SCORE could then help provide some other resources is, you know, what is this business worth? Because one, if you want to transition the business to one person, you know, what is your obligation to your other children? Right. If nobody in your family wants to take uh, over the business, then 
what is the plan to move the business on? You know, right. because all of us would, from a mentor point of view, all of us from a small business point of view, would like to be successful. Right. And I think one of the things I'd like to suggest is that if your business is doing well, and especially now as we've come out of the recession, more businesses are doing well, this is the time to engage. It's a lot easier to engage with the bank. It's a lot easier to grow your business when business is doing well. The other thing is that you know if you're not facing an emergency, maybe you can take an afternoon off and spend some time talking about growing your business, talking about succession. So when it comes to succession, you know, the first question that uh, a business list uh, should understand is, what is my business worth? You know, the other thing that a business needs to look at is to understand logically what's the profit profile. Because we get the situation with small business people where often they're mixing uh, business expenses with you know, other expenses. <laughs> we, we had a valuation expert on last week, and she was telling some stories about crazy stuff. That There was a pheasant farm in Arizona that one business was, was writing off because they took some customers there occasionally, but really it was, you know, a family sub-business. So, you know, they, she had some crazy stories of, of personal things that got mixed in. But you have some fascinating things that can happen, for instance... Uh, if you have a small business, typically you're writing off the vehicles on the business, okay? So if you are no longer in that business and you still have vehicles, you know, how does that come down? You right. know, the other thing you typically see with small businesses is you have lots of choices relative to, you know, how do you take out revenue, whether you take out revenue as salary, whether you take out revenue right. as a dividend, whether you take out revenue as an expense. Right. And... You know, um, when it looks when you go to succession, you have to really think about you know and visualize your business not how you're running it now, but visualizing the business as to how is this business going to be run if it's run by somebody else. Yeah, you know, one of the examples that the speaker last week gave was that a lot of small business owners underpay themselves. So they think they're doing the business a favor by only taking a salary of maybe $50,000 or something like that because they get to write off all sorts of other expenses and maybe they have other sources of income, some other business that they're you know also getting income from. But the reality is, is that if you want to pass that business on or sell it or go IPO, you know, whatever it is, you have to look at it and model it from a financial standpoint as though someone else is going to come in at some point and what are you going to have to pay that person who's not associated with the business who isn't getting you know all these other kinds of warm fuzzies from the business what are you going to have to pay that person and if you have to pay that person $125,000 that's you know that's $75,000 that you have to figure out, you know, where to, where you're where you're going to get it from, and it may affect the profitability of the business. Right. So if you had a business and you were paying your yourself say fifty thousand dollars, and you were paying your daughter who was also in the business fifty thousand dollars. Right. But you know she was in the business because of the idea that she knew you were going to retire and she was going to get the business. When you transition that business to your daughter. First, you know, how much money does she really need? The second question is, if you're no longer day-to-day -day in that business, do you want nothing? Do you still want $20,000? Do you want $30,000? What is your responsibility? And then your door is from the perspective, if you sold the business to somebody else, and you especially sold that business to a non-family operator, the question would be those expenses and that compensation that right. you have, how would that be different? So what would the P&L look like as an independent business as opposed to what does the P&L look like, you know, as being a family business? And I think this is great uh, discussion to have. And one of the things that we as SCORE volunteers and SCORE volunteers love to do, which is a little bit counterintuitive, is SCORE volunteers love to work with successful businesses. 
And, and I think if, if there's one thing I would suggest to almost anybody right now, if your business is doing well, this is the time to engage somebody and to talk about you know what the next steps are. Right, or even how to position your business for the inevitable downturn that will come or how to continue. I mean, in today's world, the, the challenges, the business that's doing great today may be blown out of the water and become almost irrelevant. I mean, I think we can all name businesses that are that were once household names that really are no longer very relevant because of the way the the market has changed. So keeping keeping ahead of the trends and you know seeing what what competitors are doing and even competitors that may come from unusual places. So you know obviously everybody knows about Lyft and Uber. I mean the taxi companies were probably never even thinking about a Lyft or an Uber as potential competition, but there they are. Well, I think one of the interesting dialogues going back to the people who attended our workshop here in Round Lake Beach in the spring was, you know, we had one of the hardware store companies. Think about how that hardware store in downtown has had to change, right. you know, where they're going and talking about the problem they solve. You know, the other thing that, you know, I talked to the hardware store about is, you know, how do you create and reinforce personalization? Because that's one of the real dynamics relative to maintaining that relationship is if you get that lead and you get that lead through a personal event and you're reaching out to people, one of the things typically that social media consultants suggest is, we'll send this out to everybody. But when you think about it, if you have somebody's name and you know what they're doing, what can you do to actually personalize things? And I would suggest to you, Doris, that a small business person would be better off sending out 25 personal emails than a thousand to whom it may concern emails. Yeah, I, I think that jives with my, certainly my experience too. I mean, it's very difficult unless you're a, a unicorn or have something unique like edible birthday candles or something that's new and different you don't want to end up competing on price for the most part because that's a really difficult battle to win these days but if you can offer a service component a value component that obviously changes the game because then you're not you're not just competing on price you're competing on the value that you're able to deliver to a customer. Let me make it even easier than that, okay? Uh, there was a study made as far as what are the reasons why people buy, and out of five items, price was the last one. The two that's, highest, that's interesting. The two highest reasons, and this is especially true with small business people, where people buy, is one, they like you, and two, they trust you. So what I suggest wow. to people when you create content as that follow-up is that, you know, what you want to do is create content early in your dialogue with a prospect on like and trust. Well, how, that, that may be difficult to do. How do you do that? Well, I think that when you look at like, you know, this is, you know, what they talk well, about. What if I'm just not very likable? People think I'm kind of a pain in the butt. I mean... <clears throat> Well, I, I think the likability uh, from that perspective, remember, is, you know, do you have interests that are consistent with ones that I might have? So from a neighborhood point of view, there's kind of a natural like. If you live in my neighborhood, right. I'm more likely to like you. Yes. Okay. You know, to some degree, you know, like and trust are connected, but you can do other things relative to trust, like, for instance, a warranty. You know, oh. is aligned with trust, right? Uh, a you know, no return, uh, no uh, complaint, no challenge return policy. You know, hundred percent guarantee that sort of thing. Yeah. So you know, when I was talking to the hardware store guys, once again, it's the kind of thing. One of the things people like about going to the hardware store is they have the knowledge. That's a little bit of value, but you know, think about the trust that comes along with that. When I go in there, I'm getting advice that I trust. I also feel comfortable <laughs> that if I buy a part and 
you know, I need the bigger one or I need the smaller one. Yeah. I can just go back and return it. Uh, and that's important. I mean, I'm, I'm, you see, I'm smiling and I'm laughing and I'm sure everybody has their story out there of the, the big box stores, which may have great prices, but oftentimes the people who help you are, um, somewhat lacking, shall we say, in technical knowledge or help. And I, I'm, I was just thinking, the reason I was smiling is I was just at one of the big box stores. I had this nest of bees in the in the ground, right? And I was looking for some kind of solution to get rid of the bees because I was worried about getting stung. And I mean, they were everywhere. There was a lot of them in the ground. And the guy at the big box store said, well, if I were you, I'd just pour some gasoline down there and light it. <laughs> I think at this point, I was like, I'm going to call a professional exterminator who actually knows what they're doing because I don't think I'm going to be pouring gasoline and lighting it. But that was the extent of his knowledge about it. And that's just a funny little story. But... I'm sure everybody has their stories of people from the big box stores who just didn't know what they were doing. Right. So one of the other challenges small business people have is in order to build trust, one of the great vehicles is testimonials. Yeah. And as a business person, you have lots of satisfied customers. And when you think about that set of satisfied, satisfied customers, how many have you ever asked for a testimonial on? And mm -hmm. when you get with that testimonial, how do you do it? How do you use it? One of the things I suggest to people when you're doing that personalized email, put in a link to a testimonial that may align with the person's business or the person's need. This is the idea of you know bringing people down and building trust. Because you know, we talked about liking, we talked in trusting. One of the questions that a lot of people ask as far as dealing with the business is, do you deal with people like me? Right. And yeah, actually, that's one of the powers of something like a Facebook, is a Facebook gives you the ability to post up pictures and comments and you know content that reinforces the uh, idea of dealing with people like me. Well, I'm guessing there's an art to asking customers for a testimonial because... You know, I've seen this on even on LinkedIn. You say, "Well, can will you write me a recommendation?" And they're like, "Yeah, well, Doris is Doris is great. She's easy to work with and fun." Well, that may or may not be the the kind of thing that I want them to write. I mean, it may be true, it may be nice, but what I might want them to say is something more specific, like. Doris knows how to get her arms around a complex financial situation and turn a non-profitable business or, or operation into something profitable. I'm, I'm guessing there's an art to well, asking I, for yeah, those so, so my suggestion, and there's a couple of good places, certainly you'd go to the website of my business, which is www.e-conversation.com, and I have some testimonials. And actually, I integrate those testimonials into the web page. If you're interested in testimonials on SCORE, you know you can just go to the, the SCORE North Chicago website and they actually have a set of testimonials there. Now ah. one of the things if you're looking to get a testimonial, so after you do a program and you gather say those business cards you meet these people and maybe they become a customer for you, send them a link to your website which has testimonials on it and say, you know, I'd like a testimonial for you. Here's a couple of sample testimonials right. that other people have done, which then gives me as the testimonial creator right. an idea of what you're looking for. Right, because it's hard. I've had other people ask me for a recommendation. I'm like, well, I don't know. What do you want me to say, you know? So yeah. you got to help them out, I think, a little bit and give them an example, that sort of thing. Yeah, so sometimes after I do a workshop, I'll actually go and take some pictures of people and oh. I'll say to people if you feel really good about this workshop I'm please feel free to uh, drop me a testimonial and by the way I'll put the testimonial up in my social media so I think the challenge here I would suggest to start is one 
ask for testimonials. Two, I mean, it's gotten so easy to take pictures with smartphones, et cetera. If the occasion presents itself, just say to people and say, hey, you know, could I grab your picture or have your colleague or somebody else say, hey, would you take a picture of these two people? I think this is, um, these are some great suggestions. What do you do, though, if you're just starting out and you don't have, you haven't really had any successful customers? In fact, maybe you've had one or two rather painful learning experiences. How do you go about creating like and trust when you're a new kid on the block? Well, I think, you know, that everybody has a set of experiences. And the key to being effective as a new company is to, one, think about your business proposition. So what problem do you solve? How do you solve it? What makes you different? Then the other thing to question to answer is, why are you the best person to help me solve my problem or to take this solution difference going forward? So I think that every new business person does do have to do an inventory of their capabilities and understand what works for them. And I think one of the things that score you know mentors do get into with people sometimes is ask those hard questions and sometimes people say thanks i'm going to launch my business it happens sometimes that people sit down with a score mentor and after talking to them make a decision that says you know maybe this isn't the right time or this isn't the right place i had a woman many years ago who was looking to pick up a cupcake franchisee and she went through all the process and she we went through all of the business case and it could have been successful, but really not at the last minute, but maybe in the second to last minute she had been working as in the insurance business. She just looked at me and said, you know, I can't do this. I, I need a regular salary. And that was okay. You know, um, I hope to get some, find somebody on the show to talk about a couple of what I think are some of the most challenging issues. And you've, you've touched on one which is people who think that they want to be entrepreneurs, they don't want to work for the man anymore or the woman, I don't know. Um, and they think they want to be entrepreneurs, but they're not sure. And I think that that soul searching that needs to go on about what it's like to really be an entrepreneur and whether you're really ready to do that and take the plunge is a whole set of, a really interesting discussion to have and the other one I think is that having worked with a number of entrepreneurs and in my own businesses where you look at it and you think I don't know if this is going to make it or not and the question is, is do you hold on just a little while longer or do you pull the plug and say yeah, this is just not going to work. I need to pivot or I need to just to stop and do something different. And I think those are two interesting sets of discussions. I, I, I'm hoping to get guests that lined up to, to talk about both of those because I think they're, you know, the kind of soul searching that a lot of entrepreneurs do or need to do. You know, I was talking to somebody who had a uh, an English language learning idea that he thought was really uh, innovative. And uh, he was Chinese, so I said, well, why don't you align with some of the Chinese groups in the Chicago area, kind of on the trust and like kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I also said to him is that you need to be honest with yourself as far as getting money. And the question you have is this, you know, a full-time vocation, even though it's your passion, or for a period of time, does it become a part-time thing? Because understand it's going to be take more time, it's going to cost more, it's going to be involved more involved than you would anticipate. And that's, I think there's a, wow, I hope all of our listeners got that because I think there's a pearl right there that it's going to take longer, cost more, and probably not going to be the big splash on the newspapers that you, and even those, there's, uh, you know, there, there was probably 
years of pre-work that went into it. People just think it happened overnight. Well, yeah, I, I would, when I was especially working with the Silicon Valley companies, I realized that a company would be in business for 10 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> we are just about out of time. All right, We're so Doris, I do want to comment a couple, that a couple of minutes, if, so. if people are looking for SCORE, that if you, you can go to the website, either www.score.org, which is a national website, or you can go to the one that's in North Chicago, which is northchicago.score.org. A couple of other things on a local basis to this area. SCORE does mentor on Wednesday mornings in the Ante in Antioch in the State Bank of the Lakes. Fantastic. Okay, let's see, in uh, Lake Zurich, they also mentor at the Lake Zurich Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday mornings. Libertyville at the Libertyville um, uh, Bank and Trust, which is the third Wednesday of every month. North Chicago, um, SCORE mentors at the uh, North Chicago City Hall branch the first and third Mondays. So this just kind of gives you an idea that you can go to the websites. On but the other thing, you could just kind of show up. Absolutely. So one last plug for your workshop, which is on the 24th, Wait, right? So, right. We're doing a program on October 24th. This is Get More Leads, Close More Sales. It's in Round Lake Beach. I actually think it's at the community center. Okay. And it's a lunch and learn, so there'll be a free lunch. The lunch is provided by State Bank of the Lakes. And if you want to register for that workshop, which we would certainly encourage you to do, you should go to the uh, SCORE North Cook and Lake County chapter website, which is northchicago.score.org. Also, I've left you some brochures, so if anybody's interested in SCORE and they want to contact the radio station, hopefully you can uh, get that brochure over to them. Well, Mark, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for being on The Savvy Entrepreneur. You can find more helpful information at the lakesradio.org website or reach out to us there. Be sure to join us next Saturday when our guest will be Manu Etakara. He's the director of something called iVentures. It's a program at the University of Illinois to support and nurture student entrepreneurs, and they have some great stories to share with us. You don't want to miss that. So be sure to join us next Saturday, and folks, until then, happy entrepreneuring. This is Doris Nagel with The Savvy Entrepreneur.